Hello and welcome to Popmosis Film, the film podcast, or a film podcast, but a special film podcast because this is the one that features my awesome, very good friends, Tyler and Paul. So how are you guys? Pretty good. It, Not too shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby. How are you doing, Tyler? It's, it's good. It's good. You know, we had a heat stroke in, uh, you know, out Ooh. here in California. A heat stroke? Oh my heat God. Stroke. Are you is that okay? when you pass out from the heat? Just a heat wave, right? Wait. Heat wave. Heat stroke is like oh, a serious yeah. thing. I was concerned. I was like, let's stop <laughs> recording and like deal with that right now. Like, oh no. <laughs> Words. This is supposed to be heat like a breezy wave. light episode. We, you know. Yeah, uh, this is supposed to be the fun one. <laughs> I, I, I miss the cold already. Josie but, and uh, the heat anyway. strokes. It's very hot here. Josie and the heat strokes. There you go. So that that gets to our movie. So I have a question for you guys, and it relates, at least for me personally. What is the first comic book that you each read? What's the first comic book? We'll start with you, Paul, since you're the oldest, actually, but a little bit older than yeah. you. So go ahead, Paul. Uh, the first one, uh, Batman. Um, but I was aware of the Archie comics, and they were like in that Reader's Digest binding. And I was like, what is that? But yeah, basically Batman was my first comic book. And Tyler? I think it's actually some of the old Walt Disney ones that my mom used to read me. Um, like, my mom had, like, old Walt Disney comics from, like, the 60s, 70s. Oh, that's And cool. uh, they're completely torn up and worthless now. But, uh, yeah, she would, I would, like, read them. And then after that, I think it was absolutely Batman and um, Batman and Daredevil, I think, were the two that, I, that my mom picked up for me at the, at the store. And okay. then Thor. Oh, cool. Jump to Marvel there with little Thor love. So for me, uh, I the first comic of significance was G.I. Joe, but the first comic books that I ever read were Archie comics. And it's as Paul said, the reason that I read them is I'd be in the grocery store out with my mom and my mom would always like, let us buy a candy bar, like one candy bar when we went to the store with her. And that was like our special thing. So I would negotiate. Maybe I'd get her to buy me like an action figure. Like you see the Toy Biz action figure up here. Like if I didn't like buy candy bars for four or five visits, then I could get a G.I. Joe, a Toy Biz oh, Marvel man. figure. That I would have negotiate with my mom in this way. And did the same. I way, with... I was way too, uh, um, like impulsive when I was a kid. <laughs> I've been like, I was like, nothing could be better than a candy bar right now. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not much of a sweet tooth uh I, i'll eat anything else that's but... the sad part oh wow just, when i hear when i hear you can get this now that was the magic word i was like <laughs> now i like now uh <laughs> well, to, to be fair i was getting the toy on day one it would just be giving up candy bars for the next five oh yeah, yeah yeah so but one of those one of those things that i negotiated with as i have a crank in my neck here from sleeping on the floor with my youngest my oldest daughter the <laughs> Uh, the Archie comics, as Paul said, they were in that little Reader's Digest type of book, and they would be in the uh, supermarket check aisle. The the, uh, the the supermarket I went to was called Bilo, and they had their like a comic book news rack in like sort of the magazine section. But you could get Archie comics as you exited the you know the check stand section, so that was even more tempting. And again, so it's like oh, a candy bar, this comic book that I have right now. Sure, I'm giving yeah. up future candy bars. But it was worth it for the comic book. And that just is our connection to Josie and the Pussycats. I don't remember anything about Archie comics, though. Because it was very quickly that I was not 
I was over this stuff and oh gi joe you know gi joe Um, was the first comic book i'm like oh i know gi joe i know the toys i know the cartoon and now they have a comic book at least in my mind so i was moved mm -hmm. on quickly but it was significant because it was a first in my world so. You know, Absolutely. the funny thing is I never read the comic at all. I, I never read them, but uh, I know the art style. I know the characters like Jughead and Archie and Betty and Veronica, but I've never read it in the comics. But it's somehow stuck there in my head. Yeah, so, so same here. So Josie and the Pussycats uh, was originally created by Dan DiCarlo, first appeared in Archie Comics in 1962, and then uh, December of 62, and then in uh, February of 63 got its own comic which ran until 1982, so the year I was born, interestingly enough. And then there's different times. There was another, a new comic in 93, and then one in 2017. But ironically, not in 2001 when this movie came out. So that that's that. But it was constantly in reprints. But there was also, maybe even more famously, a cartoon in 1970 to 71, and then a, like a sequel cartoon, which was Josie and the Pussycats in Outer Space. Yes. I loved mm. that one. What the fuck? And those cartoons are so <laughs> good. So if you haven't seen the cartoons, have you guys seen the cartoons? Oh, oh God, yes. I watched one That's episode. That's the only reason why I know them. I watched the first episode, and there's, like, Captain Nemo, and he's, like, attacking their ship. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What exactly. am I watching? But it was, uh, you know, endearing for its time. Yeah, it was great. It was like a Scooby-Doo cartoon, but with a girl band. Absolutely. I mean, it was very, like, they had a van, the, the archetypes, one of the voices, I think, was the same voice that did Shaggy. It was all the same animators and all that stuff. Yeah, it was just, but it was, it was great and solid music. So, the, the feature film was released on April 11th, 2001. It was written and directed by Deborah Kaplan and Heli, Heli, Harry F. Elfront. Elfront, Elfront, I'm just trying to say that, who also directed uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which was like a big teen movie from a few years before that I despised at the time, but was like really big when I was in high school. That's when Paul, Paul and I were in high school at that time, and that was a big movie for high school kids. I hated it, though. Uh, he also wrote, or they also wrote, Surviving Christmas, which was one of Tyler's, which was Tyler's almost, it was in the final three for our Christmas tournament, which lost to Paul Scrooge. But I just thought that was funny. I'm like, oh, these guys wrote that movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it stars Rachel I, Lee Cook. I, yeah. Yeah. So blame you, Tyler, I guess. We are watching this because of Tyler. Rosario Dawson, Tara <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I would never pick this movie. A budget of $39 million and it only made $14 million. So there you go. What it. But it lost a lot of money. One in one interesting note on the production as well, it was actually uh, listed as a Riverdale production. So it made me wonder: Did they have a bigger ambition for the Archieverse in the early two thousands? I don't know. I yeah, I have no idea. You know, but it, just it, the fact that it was. Ahead, I mean, it, it seems like they would have tied in something, like they would have promoted it in the Archie comics. They would have done something to kind of tie it to everything. Uh, in order to promote the movie better, but it, I feel like they didn't even do that. I, you know, I, I it's really bizarre this movie. Like, who's the audience for this movie, and why did that they was, release Paul, it? Paul, that was that was the first thing I wrote down after I was, and I only, and that was like five minutes in. I'm like, who is this movie for? Go ahead, but continue. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm just trying to figure out like who's this movie for? It's like it's too intelligent and satirical for the teeny bopper kids of the age that would really appreciate like TRL and Carson Daly. And it's too dumb for the people that were into like scream and self-referential humor, Kevin Smith, things like that. So it's like it does it. It's a movie for not really anybody at the time. And so I was wondering how this like 
came out. It, it's really bizarre. Uh, yeah, so I just, I just, it's like it's befuddling to me. Like, what, why this movie came out, and what, what's, what, you know, what's the deal with this movie? So I thought we could figure that out. Maybe that's a mystery for this podcast to solve. <laughs> this podcast is a little different. We're we're it's a uh, we're actually here to solve the mystery of who is this movie for. So. Yeah, I, and and I can't imagine like a fan of like the Hanna Barbera cartoon would uh, like gravitate towards this movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's just really bizarre. But I really am wondering like uh, how is it that Tyler? How did you get? Why did you pick this movie? And like. How did you find out about it? Because it's like this movie, like, would never, you know, hit, hit my radar. Never. And I, I love um, cult films. So I, um, I found this movie because of my my sister and I are uh, sixteen months apart. So we were we were very close. So a lot of the times when we would rent stuff, it would be for like both of us. And um, and so it was like either this or Spice World, and we we would watch both of these movies a lot actually i'm sorry i take that back sorry but like you know like my sister would want to watch the same thing over and over again i would like to watch the same thing over and over again i hated spice world she loved spice world and then uh if i remember correctly it was like one of those moments where it was just like where my sister was actually being a decent human being it was like hey i will let you I'll, I, how about we rent this one instead this other movie instead so you don't have to watch Spice World again. And I was like, anything with Spice World, I don't care. And also, I had the biggest crush on Jennifer Jason Lee from uh, from Tom and Huck. So I was just like, oh, my queen. Yes. And so, and also, I love the Josie and the Pussycats animated show. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was down. And so we watched it. She hated it. I loved this movie. And I still, today, oh. I still love this movie so, i love Mystery how self-aware it is this movie is for uh, tyler for just tyler <laughs> me. tyler specifically <laughs> you know the funny thing you mentioned about spice world is that my sister also made me watch spice world but she had the decency not to make me watch this movie so <laughs> I'll just have to well say that. you guys are I making mean, me glad i only have brothers that's i didn't oh have to God. watch spice world oh, i've yeah, actually we, seen we, spice you world. Oh, a man. Bullet, man. i, I saw spice so world bad. though i did see spice world Yes. Oh yeah, Spice World. That's is, how big is... the Spice Girls were, though. That I, I I just was curious to watch it. I'll say that, like, and it was terrible and unbelievably bad. But this movie, I think it's kind of funny. We were, you know, we've been texting back and forth. We have a joke, you know, save it for the podcast where we don't want to give too much away because we want real reactions yeah. here. And we were joking, you know, Tyler was sharing sharing his love, and Paul was expressing his distaste. And I was like, well, I'm definitely somewhere in the middle. And I think that's the problem with the movie. There are times where yeah. I'm like, this is so clever. I love that. There's jokes. There's things like that that just really land. But there's times it doesn't. Uh, I rewatched, I tried to rewatch it today and wasn't able to because of the kids, but I did watch the first like 10 minutes. And the beginning of the movie really struck me as the, that really emphasized that who was this for? The opening boy band bit. First of all, I, that shouldn't be out front because this is about Josie and the Pussycats. That's a separate issue. Yeah. But also, the song is Backdoor Lover, and it's just, like, really <laughs> leaning to... I mean, you can have jokes like that, but you lean so heavily into it that early in the movie with the the sort of obvious gay double entendre there. Or maybe not gay, but ob obvious certain direction of intimacy. <laughs> well, no, basically, it's, it's like... it. Yeah. it, it I understand where you're coming from. It's like it's it's kind of like a um, a satirical. It's like kind of a something that's a very adult humor, but it's based. It's 
the audience is supposedly like these uh, younger kids and to put like a more adult humor, like get, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of incongruous and it doesn't really make sense when you're establishing the tone of the film early on. So it's, it's hard to figure out what's, uh, you know, like what, like who, again, who's this for? Like, what are they trying? Who's the audience that they're trying to, to pull in? And, uh, I even think like the, uh, the fact that Josie the Pussycats, like they're a rock band set kind of like, like it makes me think of like No Doubt and Gwen Stefani, which was like mid nineties. So by the time Josie and the Pussycats came out, like in uh, 2001, like that kind of style was already passe. And it was more like Destiny's Child was kind of like the hits of like 2001. And, uh, but, and like, you know, the whole thing that Alan Cumming, he like takes, uh, he like he they they find out that there's subliminal messages like Dujour finds out subliminal messages are on, on the on the CD and he leaves the plane and it crashes. It kind of highlights like the disposability of like boy bands and like in sync and back of the time that the you know they could they could be easily replaced. But I just think that like all these jokes are interesting, but they like the ideas are interesting, but the execution is just not well thought out and so jokes don't really land in the way they should i mean i uh, again i maybe it's just my twisted sense of humor i i i like i like the jokes but i mean yeah i i think the problem with this is this obviously to me seems like a very rushed very weird show that either could be like an ip holder uh they made it really quickly so they can keep the ip Mm-hmm. uh you know of the archie of the archie comics maybe they were trying to profit and create a whole universe like what you're saying like as a riverdale thing um I, I don't know i think like yeah i was older i was tired of watching uh you know spice world and whatever else crap my sister made me watch and i finally found like one movie that she thought she would love and that i would hate and then i but it was the exact opposite but um and yeah, I think that there is definitely a mix, a mixed thing. I think this was kind of made probably for the people who grew up with the animated show, just to be like, hey, what happens if we make this a lot edgier? And then also like have it be really fast paced and bright and colorful for just potential, you know, young teens to also like the movie. I think they were trying to make it maybe make it like be influenced like uh, like a Disney movie. Like they did it poorly, but I think they were trying to make it have like adult humor that kids didn't understand, but they liked it anyway. And I think that's what they were probably going for. But I don't think that the directors are probably talented enough to do that. And so the movie looks like kind of like one of the, like a, like a mess. Like, I mean, what else did these, I mean, what the directors are the same people who did. Yeah. Like the other movies that you, named that yeah. And not like, like very I, good. Yeah. Like I talked about at the very beginning, you have, that uh, can't hardly wait style of teen comedy, which was sort of a little bit in this sort of realm, but it was for clearly a certain audience. And the problem is when you say Josie and the Pussycats, I think like Scooby-Doo cartoon, and this is not that. It, it, there's moments yeah. that are that, but it's not that overall. But it very much goes into, I think that part of the influence was this is uh, not too long after American Pie just blew the world up the R-rated comedy for teens. And mm. so this is a movie that it was PG-13, right? I think even, yeah. which is <laughs> shocking when you think about, whoa, Josie and the Pussycats, PG-13, that rating. With, and so yeah. you, when you lean... With Tara Reid at this time too. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, 
there, there's like a like a joke at the beginning too when there's like the montage when you finally see the band and it's over their song and they're having all these things and she has a sign and it's like do you love pussy cats but you can't see the word cats that kind yeah. of thing like thing jokes like that that were you know i had it on the, the other day when i watched it, i was watching it, my daughter was there and i wasn't expecting that i'm like yeah i'm gonna maybe watch this later but she's glued to the screen because it's bright everything's very bright and fun and colorful in that way and the songs are i don't think they're very good but they're energetic and for you know perspective of a four-year-old kid they're probably brilliant and just very i don't, I, I I don't know if catchy, the songs but... were supposed to be good i think the songs were supposed to be like very mediocre but they're I supposed know, to I be find... like fun they're supposed to be like fun and yeah. up yeah they, i don't know that the quality but they're supposed to be like you know just like that sort of energy to them whether yeah, it's a really good song or not sort of... that yeah that you that that was yeah implicit and i could see that when penny was with me and they would play those songs where she would get excited but then i'm thinking to myself like this is definitely not for a small kid at all if it like watching this movie but at the same time i show her the cartoon same thing she loved it we were watching it and we watched several episodes because she was right in it and i hadn't seen it since i was a kid i do remember it vaguely and it, uh but it was just it's just a weird thing like and i think tyler kind of hit it right where they're probably trying to get the original audience for that show and then now capture the audience of the day and they're trying to capture the audience of the day in like five different ways and so what you yeah. have is oh, Josie and the Pussycats. And there's a lot of movies that are like that, but this is one of them. I, I think well, I definitely think I like this movie a little bit more ironic than I do like in quality. I think I like this movie like I love The Room, where it's just like the whole time I'm just like, what is happening? But I'll, but uh, I think the difference between liking something like Mono's, you know, you know, Mono's Hands of Fate or like the room is like well there is comedy and i think there are jokes in this movie that actually do work and then there's a lot of a lot of jokes like the sign that says honk if you like pussycats that joke is that joke is so left field we don't expect it and it was just like oh wow okay you you actually went archie comics but, let you go this way but yeah. the difference um, the difference between this movie and like the room is that you don't have uh, like a a, a madman who's not self who has like no self awareness, kind of reigning. Like you don't have a Tommy Wiseau, or like that like crazy kind of personality to kind of rein it in and make people see like how this is. Yes, it's a disaster, but it's an entertaining, so bad it's good kind of disaster. Like you don't have that kind of character. And I mean, I was thinking at the time of like because all this humor is like non sequiturs. It's like all this like random humor. And it and very much the same. It has very much the same tone as like the Austin Power movies, but it doesn't have that comedic voice to kind of rein it in and take you on that journey, that comedic journey. You know what I mean? Uh, because Austin yeah. Powers has the same kind of humor. Like even like Wayne's World has a, a humor about like, oh hey, here's Coke. Oh, it's product placement. Yeah, you know they have a joke about that. And this movie has that joke for the entire runtime of the constantly. movie. Constantly, <laughs> yeah, constantly. And so it's like it's to the point where it's kind of annoying, and it's not high-minded enough to be like an Andy Kaufman kind of joke where it's like, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's just so weird. I like, I'm trying to figure out the audience of this and I guess it's just Tyler. <laughs> the, the Austin Power thing is funny, Paul, because I wrote the humor is like Austin Powers for kids where it's, you're trying to still appeal to kids. And I don't know what kids exactly means. Maybe it's not, it's that not four-year-olds. So I shouldn't have had Penny watching this. It's not 
bad. She's not going to get any of the, uh, those jokes. But I also wrote, to Tyler's credit, it's bad, but funnier than I thought it would be. It really was funny. And I think that what Paul is getting at is where the humor does come from. It it lands in those moments where it is uh, Mike Myers-esque and Austin Powers-y yeah. and Wayne's World-y. And those kind of jokes where like maybe like that like wink to the camera type of thing that that really work like there's one joke that i wasn't sure that landed but it's sort of that sort of meta reference where i can't remember the girl's name but the skunk haired girl missy Pyle, i believe plays her character she has yes. skunk hair you know she's just with I'm, them i miss missy Pyle, and she's like and the, i love her and the question was why are you here someone asked that to her like why is she there with them as they get their big record to go on the tour and she's like i was in the comic yeah i love, I that love, I love it it's just that kind of thing but i feel like it doesn't work because of maybe the way Paul said, I, there's not, I can't think of examples that like that, but certain, that joke lands, but certain jokes like that don't land because maybe they're just mm. too, you're too inundated with them while also having more juvenile humor and then more borderline vulgar humor yes. here. Yes. So you can't mesh those things together. Like when, when, when Mike Myers does it, he usually does, uh, Maybe, well, there's examples where he doesn't balance that line, but early on, Wayne's World. Yeah, like most of Gold, like, like Goldmember. Yeah, Goldmember, like, but like the yeah. first Austin I, I Powers. Think you'll, get, he, you'll get like a really smart, good joke, and then you see a guy like eat his like toenails or something. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, like in the yeah. same scene, it's weird. Like, yeah, it lacks but, the restraint. And, and you know, at least you this know, movie doesn't go there. I mean, it's oh, right. not his toenail. It's, he, eats his, he eats his skin flake or something, right? Oh what yeah, yeah. Gold? Oh, uh, fat bastard. That's, oh, what, yeah, that's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's like eating his skin. He's like, it's like gold. <sighs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that absurd of sense of humor. It's like you need a comedic voice to kind of like kind of hold you hold your hand on that journey and kind of like let you you know to help you accept the the crazy things that are going on in the movie. And I'll be honest with you, like I uh, the first time I watched it was like I was miserable. I I was like, this is awful i'll take notes i'll do it i guess whatever but then i like i was calling tyler i talked to him and he kind of explained uh (laughs) some of the movie to me and i appreciated a little bit more on my second viewing yeah (laughs) so i don't know i I just think maybe i'm too hard on this movie maybe maybe i'm I'm kind of a snob or something i don't know it's it's i I, oh sorry i was what i was gonna say like because like what you were talking about is like i think that the problem is that you, we've all watched too many of these shitty teenage 1990 to early 2000 movies that are just trying to basically just like throw, like throw their movie at the wall and just hoping it, it sticks to any demographic whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen this too many times. And that's why, sorry, I was just bouncing off what you were saying. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, you, no, you make a good point because there's a lot of movies like that around this time period between like 95 and 2005. It's like, let's just throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. Like, there's no thought yeah. or, you know, there's like the thought to releasing it. No reason behind it. No, like, kind of uh, creative um, auteur or whatever to, like, kind of guide the project. It's just like, hey, yeah. let's, like, just, you know, sh- you know, shit this out. Like, because, you know, Can I, it's going to make money. Sorry. Go ahead. I just had a thought. You know what this movie kind of reminds me of? And you're going to be very upset with me. <laughs> this seems like a kid Kevin Smith movie. What? <laughs> like, what do you no, mean? Explain. Explain. I'm. I'm curious. Go your... Go no, no, no. We're, we're talking about like we're talking about like the jokes. How the jokes can be. Oh, like 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 
like outright crazy than kind of just like graphic or just disgusting and stuff like that. Like look at Clerks, uh, Clerks Two, where you have uh, them have a, a whole monologue about about Lord of the Rings, and then they get interrupted by Ben Affleck, and then the next the next shot is them peeing in a cup and giving it to him. And like mm-hmm. you have like this brilliant and like that's 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 Kevin Smith like all the time where it's like they'll ha- he'll have like something where they talk about something philosophical or something like really really well written and then like it follows up with like Jay's asshole or or like something really disgusting and weird like that or you know getting a blowjob from a dead guy or giving a dead guy a blowjob or something like that like I don't know I feel like this movie is trying to be relatively or yeah like look at all of Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Like that entire movie you know, I, has like. I kind of see one, where you're going. I kind of see where you're going. Especially Jane's Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, it's the same. I kind of yeah. see where you're going. The same there? year. Uh, what was it? The same year? Just curious. Before Paul, I just. Uh, I, think I, think, I think Jane. I think Jane's Silent Bob was 2003. I yeah, think. Okay, it was right around the same. The same era. Go yeah. ahead, Paul. Though. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because I can see where kind of where you're going with that. I think the difference is that with again, like I said, Kevin Smith is a unique comedic voice that didn't really exists before the 90s before clerks and that's why same, he, uh, same year by the way okay i was right i thought okay so. 2001 <laughs> both of them yeah oh wow uh yeah so like like i said uh comed- kevin smith was like that kind of comedic voice to kind of rein it in and like the characters in in uh jane silent bob and those movies kind of i think resonate better than than josie and the pussycats uh, uh i don't know i've rewatched Jay- uh all Kevin Smith's filmography during this quarantine. And, uh, no. Oh boy. Some of them do not hold up. Some of them absolutely do not hold up as much as I. But I think when we watched it, we were teenagers and it was so edgy. Where, like, it's, honestly, it's been a, since can, a long we, time since I've seen them. We so. can tell our, yeah, like, we can tell our friends, like, yeah, I watched Kevin Smith movie. And, like, your friends are like, yo, that's awesome. And, or, and then, you know, then you go, yo, I watched that Josie and the Pussycat movie. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, we're not hanging out with you anymore. Get out of my house. Um, so, you know, I think it's also. So, like, that, but so what, that, what made more money, this or Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Probably both didn't do very well. I was going to say, I don't know if <laughs> yeah. either one of them. So, yeah. real quick, uh, I think that you're, you're on to something, though, with the idea. And, like, because I said, I feel like it's uh, American Pie for kids so austin powers for kids and i think yeah. every time you reference one of those movies you're right because it's trying to grab at what worked in so many other movies yep. that it doesn't and it doesn't pick one movie to copy and do it well it picks 10 movies to copy throw in this brand that people know josie and the pussycats i remember that cartoon i remember that comic you know me i would have remembered 10 years prior reading it in that archie comic on that check stand and here i am now oh there's a movie about that Maybe I'll go see yeah. that. I didn't. I didn't watch it until <laughs> this 20 IP years is later. In the $5, the IP is in the $5 bin at Walmart. I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think it, you know, it would have worked better if like Jersey the Pussycats kind of leaned heavy into the 70s, like kind of made like a, a Austin Powers kind of send up, but with the 70s, like kind of really lean heavy into that. And the, the I actually, uh, the, the, I actually, li- I was going to say, I like your idea. I actually like would, love to see that that's all i'm trying to say like yeah. that would be amazing and like and like actually have like the cat kind of come in like at the end of the movie where, like where he's like oh it's that it's the cat from the end yeah, yeah exactly and it's like you know like it, it laughs and everything it totally should have done that and the interesting thing for me is that uh rosario dawson rosario dawson is a great actress at in this movie she's just kind of starting out and 
I wish that she was Josie. Like, if she was elite, this movie would be so much stronger. And I think it would have worked because, you know, she's demonstrated later, like in, in like Daredevil and uh, Alexander and like so many different movies that she's she's a, a good leading actress. And she could really like, uh, you know, draw in an audience uh, that, you know, she's a good lead. So I, I, I it, it kind of bumps me up that this movie could have largely been fixed if you made uh if you made Rosario Dawson Josie and made her the lead and you know it, it would have fixed a lot of problems there and made this and elevated this movie I think I, I love Rosario Dawson I think she just has this energy and I don't want to say typecast but I think she has this energy where she has to play like the smart badass and Josie is not that at all and I think the character she did play is the more I mean, she's the only one that made any sense from any of them, like, mm-hmm. and the only one that wasn't duped, duped by anybody. And I kind of like that. I don't know if Rosario but, Dawson would have been good for Josie. Just kind of, she's just like the most like generic, like the most generic protagonist ever. Where I think Rosario Dawson maybe deserves even in one of one of her first roles, she still deserves a little better than that. So I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And see, that's the interesting thing is that Josie, Josie the Pussycats, the property itself, is not something that's like people had so much of an attachment for that they really kind of could be more flexible with the characterization and not piss off the fans, you know, because it's Jersey, the pussycats is kind of more obscure than like Scooby-Doo yeah. or any other thing. So they should really like be more flexible in the characterization and like make uh you know, try to uh, improve the movie itself with this property. But, uh, that's yeah. totally true, but you're, you're running into the wall of in retrospect casting. And the problem with that what is if, that, what if, Oh yeah. That, that who Rachel Lee cook, she is kind of the most bland star of that era. No offense to her. She's not like a bad actress, but she's just not a special actress. And she was the big star. She was the, the, the thing that, you know, she had done the, she's all that, which yeah. propelled her pretty big. So she was the, she was the name Tom going into this movie. Like, what was <laughs> Tom that? Tom and Huck. <laughs> a... And I think that that's part of the problem with, and that's the way casting works, but Rosario Dawson, I, I felt the same way that she is, I still wanted her in that role, but I felt like it was such a weird dynamic that the joke with her character was that they kept forgetting her name. And she's obviously the most magnetic of them. She's the most dynamic. Yeah, of them. Maybe that's what they were going for with the joke, but they would never remember her name and she wouldn't get invited to the parties and all that stuff. And then Tara Reid's character's uh, Melody was just too stupid to care, which is her unfortunate typecasting as well, whether she fits that I mean, role or was, not. I mean, let's just let's just call Tara Reed's character what she is. She's just Silent Bob. That's all she is in this movie. She's just Silent Bob, where she like she just plays dumb and just kind of goes with it. And then at the end, she has like the smartest thing in the, in the yeah. uh, you know, and then and then it's over. Yay, cliches. Yeah. Um, I I, I do. Can I say like I want to give props? I, I I I I think that the two people that did the best in this movie, and I think. They are honestly the reason why I love this movie. I love Parker Posey, and I absolutely love Alan Cumming in this movie. I think he had an absolute blast. I think this is. I think this role was better for him than Nightcrawler was. Like, I think wow. he was funny. No, I'm not saying that like Nightcrawler is a, be- is a worse character. I just mean like his acting in this movie. I feel like. I don't know. Like I feel like he had a lot of fun with it, and I enjoyed watching him in this performance more than I did Nightcrawler. Does that make any sense? Like I'm not. It doesn't make any sense to me. Really, no sense to me. 
Yeah, my brain is misfire right now. But <laughs> to, well, I, I with, with the caveat, with the caveat, he was my favorite thing in this movie. But I love him as Nightcrawler, so it's sort of like my parallel. But he was my favorite thing in this movie. Fine, so I'm yeah. making fun of your yeah. uh, right. the yeah, extreme yeah, yeah. you're taking it but to. But I understand I, uh, the root of it. I, I just. I just love his physical humor in this movie. Like every time he pulls out a phone, like he's like the biggest thing when he pulls out his phone and he's just, and, and I don't know why, like it's just, is, is yeah, his mannerisms, his body language and like his physical comedy is so good in this movie. I love it. And I love every single scene he's in every single facial expression. When somebody's talking to him, like he's just looking at every single character. Like they're the dumbest thing on this entire earth. And he's just like, like he just doesn't care, which is like the most dead eyes ever. And then whenever anything like goes, like you know, goes awry or somebody questions anything, he just kind of like panics and just pulls and then whips out the phone real quick. I don't know. I I just I think he's just no, and so I think, funny and has really embodied the character really well. Yeah, and he and Parker Posey, they both they kind of both played it the way I thought the whole movie should have been, where it's uh sort of a a, a live action cartoon very absurd and quirky and goofy i felt yeah. they played it that way but they were the only two people in the movie who really did and i think you would yeah. have like for example rosario dawson's very good and her character's kind of the character just that grounds things that's the way yeah. she's built into the story so that worked and it, you could keep her as she is but you need more other characters to be cartoony in the right ways and they're the only two that kind of got it right yeah yeah i i do oh. agree with you like both act both of them kind of got the tone of the film and like, cause it's in a way they, they, they are, the performances are better, but it's because they got the tone of the film and the other actors didn't, you know? Um, so I don't know. I feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm shitting on your tile, your, your childhood Tyler, but oh, I don't care. Oh, okay. No, but, this wasn't my childhood. I was like 12 years old when this came out. Oh, so. I don't know. You had like, you know, Oh, this, you know, brought my sister and I together and, all that oh stuff. God, no! I don't and care about that. And then I'm like, and I'm like shitting all over it. So I feel kind of bad, but I, I don't know. It's oh no, just... she would pick. She would pick movies that I would hate on purpose, and it's just oh, okay. I, it's so it's kind a of backfired on adversarial her. relationship. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It, it's like, it's not for me. That's the, I'm not the target audience. <laughs> Are you I'm just sure? The, I'm just Are you not sure? the target audience. I don't know. I, I we know who like... it's not for. It's not for Paul. <laughs> Okay, it's so uh, one thing I want to talk about, and I actually was talking to Paul about, like, one of my favorite things about this movie is also, like, the thing is that they didn't say in the movie, which I would have loved, too. So all the product placement in the movie was not authorized. They just did it for the laughs. Not Are you one serious? company no way. paid them to put it, their their products in this movie. Are you serious? Like, Star you mean Boy, McDonald's Coke didn't want and- a McDonald's shower oh. curtain? Target didn't want the Target plane? I can't remember anymore, but those From two stand out. There's a couple articles out there, but Pepsi was fucking furious. And they and the and the and the producers got sued by a couple of the companies, but since everything was done in Canada and there's like I guess different rules and stuff like that and it was clearly a parody, yeah. Nothing w- happened. Everything everything was thrown out. But no, this movie caused a huge stir. <laughs> None of the product placement in this movie were legit. Wow! Like that's that insane. was the ongoing joke. So the whole, and that's why the whole and that and that to me that's why I think it's the most fun is the funniest thing in the world too. And I also learned this later, even though I already loved the movie. It made me 
love this movie even more so. And that's what I love about the movie is that the whole movie is about subliminal messages. There's so many subliminal messages in, in this music and in the movie, every single, every single shot. Like, anybody want Pepsi? Pepsi. It's just like. And I can Pepsi see, though, that, that, that it's kind of an anti. The, the one message this movie might have is, a, is sort of anti commercialism, anti advertising, yeah. and how we're inundated with it, overwhelmed with it. And mm. I can see how then it would be tricky to get those actual companies to be on board. But, but wait, you're saying we're bombarding people with our ads. That's really what they're saying. So I can yeah. see how let's let's sneak around this and find a way to uh, make it happen on the and, down low, but not so down low. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's funny, though, that you're like. That story behind it is far more interesting than the actual movie itself. Like, that's <laughs> what, it's so bizarre to me. I just, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, um, and I think, like, one of my other favorite things in this movie is, like, when they would get, like, cameos and stuff like that, like, they would get the most Canadian ca uh, cameos in this movie that, like, and I like, I know that this was definitely targeted towards, you know, America because it was, like, an American studio and stuff like that, and, and Disney, the Pussycats, and Riverdale are, are are very American, and I just think, like, the funniest thing in this movie was, like, the biggest celebrity cameo besides Carson Daly was Eugene Levy, who wasn't, like, I mean, besides American Pie and, like, Best in Show and This is Final Tap, wasn't really that big. I just love the fact that, like, he got the most Canadian actor to be, like, the big, the big cameo. But I think that was them, like, American Pie. I loved that was the, it. No, that I was, was the, hey, hey, you liked American Pie, like this movie, please, 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 like this movie, that guy's in this movie, too. So, you, know, I, I think, you know, it's. I think I think they were like, "Hey, are you in town right now? <laughs> like, can you can you come by the set?" <laughs> you know, what's, you know, it's funny you mentioned Eugene Levy. Is that uh, I I actually knew him from SCTV uh, back in like the mm, yeah, early yeah, yeah. seven or late seventies, right around the same time like Saturday Night like because I would watch SCTV late after Saturday Night Live, and so that's how I know uh, Eugene Levy, John Candy, um, and Rick Moranis, Harold Ramis. That's how that's like my part of my comedic education. And so like I uh yeah, when he showed up, I was like really delighted to have Eugene Levy because it's something that is very obscure and I think uh that and you wouldn't really appreciate it unless you're like a fan of comedy. So Paul, when he showed Paul up, and everyone I in Canada it. appreciated that. Paul and all yeah, Canadians are appreciated. I think that. I was the only American that appreciated that. And also if if, if I, I, I transported I myself forgot. if I transported myself to two thousand one I think it, like if I had seen this movie in the theater in 2001, I think I would have been miserable. But that one would be like that one moment would be the shining light of the movie, and I would give it a pass because of Eugene Levy showing up. <laughs> I just I love how self aware and meta this the, the the movie was, and like again, it's I don't want to give credit to the writers and the directors because I'm I'm sorry to say it's they're fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> and the only thing they're working on right now is Liza Koshy's YouTube show. So who gives a shit? Um, and like, yeah, like it, it's not on them. This is a beautiful accident. That's all this is like, like no credit to them. I think I love it only. I think I love it so much because one thing I actually think the actors did a great job in this movie. All of them. Like, I think they were all like solid for the, for the horrible material they were given. Like Jennifer Jason Lee, like what you said, she's not like a spectacular. She's not like a you Jennifer Rachel Lawrence. Cook, right? Rachel Lee Cook. What did I say? For Jason Lee. I was. You, they're all that's, the same. All of a sudden. All those, no, all, all of a sudden. Three, I was, wait, it's a different actress. I hate this movie. 
I was Jennifer wrong. Jennifer Love Hewitt? No, just kidding. No. Um, <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> what was with like around this time with every no, like, like not even like not even them but, like like every every actor wanted like three names like everybody like you had um yeah every like, actor so many presidential this... assassin wants three names right oh yeah <laughs> that's so weird around this time you know it's funny like, that you mentioned yeah. that because Rachel A. Cook and Jennifer Jason Lee like I always confuse their names and I had to like <laughs> yeah. I had to IMDb which one was which because I was like I don't want to reference the hateful eight woman. When I'm really meaning that she's all that woman, like they're very different. No, yeah. if if Tyler they, hadn't said it, I probably wouldn't have. They're the most different. They're <laughs> yeah. the most different actors too, which is really no. Scary. And that's the thing; they're so different, but their names because of their names, it's just the wires cross. I get it. I'm not. I I um, I just because I, I caught just caught it. I'm like, wait a minute. And for a second, yeah, I was like, wait, so, do I have the right name? <laughs> yeah. So my childhood crush from Tom and Huck. I think she's not the most spectacular actor. Like, you know, like I said, she's not Jennifer Lawrence. She's not, like, Kate Blanchett or, like, you know, or uh, Meryl Streep. She's, but she's fine as, like, the kind of, like, just, like, the the, the, the boring protagonist. I think she does She's fine. not a bad actor. She's fine as the boring no. protagonist. <laughs> and it's true. I, mean, I, I agree with you. It's funny, though. It's a funny way to phrase it. I mean, but she's, she's very – she's just, like, this, like, I'm a cute, likable girl that isn't yeah. dynamic but isn't – bad and i think why it works Mm. why she works as an actress in a lot of those movies is she feels very real feels like someone you would know and she's not she's she's very pretty and all that but she's not like unapproachably so yeah yeah let me by the way that boyfriend is that the napoleon dynamite kid the boyfriend no no (laughs) no 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 no. he no no oh okay no no oh Oh, that's funny though. That's so funny though. No, it's like, I, I, I could have sworn James was... Heater, Josh Heater. Oh yeah, I could have. I could have sworn it, he was. No, he's a... in Batwoman now. Oh okay, I could have sworn he looks exactly like that Napoleon Dynamite kid. So like I, I was like so confused. I was like, is that him? And he kind of broke out around the same time, right? Isn't it when Napoleon Dynamite like two thousand? No, no, Napoleon Dynamite Two's? came out came out my high school like two thousand six. I would say. Oh okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Napoleon really... Dynamite is a bit later. I feel like 2004. Wow, 2004. If oh, Napoleon Dynamite had come out before this movie, this movie would have also tried to be like that. So we're, we should be glad it oh, didn't absolutely. because it would have yeah. had like a weird dance on a stage or something. I don't know. And then which would have been great actually... in this movie, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you know, you know what? You know, okay. You know what? The most important thing about this movie is that we forgot. Remember that one movie that we talked about last season, uh, Dragon Ball Evolution? Did you know that this is Justin Chatwin's? Uh, oh yeah! Debut. I was gonna point that out. Fuck, you got it. <laughs> I was gonna point that out. You know He's what the there funny like thing the is? First two minutes. Yeah, the funny thing it's is, like, ah. I I didn't I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, and I only got to watch it once just because of time. And I tr- like I said, I tried to watch it again today as we're recording this, and I only watched maybe the first ten minutes. And I happened and and I, I was watching it like while chasing around the kids and stuff, and I saw that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we just connected yeah. this to. A far worse movie. <laughs> so yes. you, you know it's funny when um, I watched the movie the first time I I was like oh this fucker again <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and it's funny the first time I watched it I remember seeing that character that he played but it didn't register who it was until I saw it again that it I think I was suppressing the Dragon Ball Z memories as we ended our season right? on such a depressing note of bad adaptation. <laughs> so this by comparison is like a brilliant adaptation and it's not a great adaptation by any means. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, oh. I want to go back. I want to go back to what we were sa- saying earlier. One thing I could, I think, would have fixed this movie, honestly, is if maybe they didn't focus so much on the party aspect and them fighting, and they actually just turned it into 
a mystery comedy. I actually think if they actually like really leaned towards like, whoa, this subliminal messages, where could it possibly be? And like actually like leaned into the campiness and like actually had it be even more self-aware where you, the audience already know, but they're like slowly figuring it out on accident. Like that would have been funny. That's kind of how the Scooby-Doo movie was where everybody was so stupid that they accidentally found, you know, found what happened, uh, you know, uh, except for Velma. I think she was the only one aware, but like, that was like the joke of the Scooby-Doo movies where they made everybody like really dumb. Uh, or even even the, the tone of like uh, just hop on what you're saying, Tyler. The tone of the like the Brady Bunch movies that came out a few years before that. They weren't great, but they had that. The yeah. tone was somehow right, where they were just so unaware of the world around them that it was kind of funny. And that yeah. that something you like know, that would have totally worked in this movie as well. You know what, Tyler? You nailed it. That's exactly what should have been done, and that would have been true to like the source material, the old Hanna Barbera cartoon. That would you nailed it. Right there. You fixed Josie and the Pussycats. You know know how funny it would have been, like, Tara Reid's character, like, picks up a magazine and just has a picture of somebody else, and she's just like, oh, hey, what if it's Alan Cumming? And, like, it's just, like, something so, like, stupid, unexplainable, nothing were to happen, and then they just get closer and closer, just no clues. I don't know. To me, that would have been so funny and self-aware. I mean, that would have kept following (laughs) the, the film's tone of being meta. And also, but yeah, yeah and, and, like, and like leaning in one direction. I think that was a big issue where they there was the crude humor, there was the meta humor, there was the juvenile humor, yeah. there was humor for a four year old. There was like all it was all over the place in that regard. So that would have leveled it out. And this is the, what we're going for in tone, and you already have yeah. a better movie because it's yeah. not it's not an unwatchable movie. It's just not a good movie. So oh, absolutely. Like I, I, as much as I shit on this movie, it's like. Citizen Kane compared to Dragon Ball Evolution. Like, to be honest, this is, this is, this, the problem is it's not, it, yeah, it, yeah, anyway, go ahead, Tyler. No, I was gonna say, I will say this, even though I love this movie, there is one scene I've always hated in this movie, and I think it's because it could have been done so well, and I actually like this actor, and I loved him in the sketch comedy he was in. I, really hate the Carson Daly Aries Spears fighting them. I hated that too so much. Yes. That 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 scene, like I think I honestly think if you dive into and you broke down every single scene, they all work. They all have a purpose. There's there's always at least one good joke in a scene. If it's a throwaway line like Missy Piles is like I'm becoming the comic. Like there's always something so self-aware and really, really stupid. Like, also, like the glass, the glass joke I thought was like fucking brilliant. But yeah, that was good. That was the, that was the one scene that literally made that made me cringe at, all the time, and I always skipped it. I remember skipping it too whenever I would use you know, to watch it, and um, I hated that scene then. I hate it now. Ari Spears is a very talented sketch comedian, and I it the the. They didn't. He didn't need to do any of those impressions. They didn't Ugh. add anything. Yeah, didn't, that that like, Bill Cosby impression. Ugh, yeah, know? that was that. <laughs> that hasn't yeah, aged well. Was, that was not timely. Yeah, no, no but yeah. Like, it, but definitely still, when you're like, chasing the, a girl with a bat, a very unfortunate in retrospect. Yeah. I, you couldn't know that then. Yeah. Or, or at least we mm, didn't yeah. know that then. Yeah, I thought the yeah. same thing. I wrote again. I wrote in my notes that I hate the impressionist murderer TRL segment. I couldn't believe. And again, it's like a, a tone shift where. It was like now we're in a black, like a dark comedy, like a very dark comedy. Like it just didn't yeah. fit. It it wasn't, and it wasn't funny. In in a funny person that I, I'd seen him on Mad TV, like you said, what's his name? Uh, Aries Spears. Spears. Yeah, okay. 
uh, and I think you mentioned earlier, but he he was great on Mad TV and his impressions were really yeah. good. But here he it's like, wow, this is not good. Yeah, and maybe it's like, just the nature it, of the it, way it, he was forced to do it. And yeah, the the scene the scene should have just been Carson Daly like like uh like interviewing them and then finally you know after like a couple minutes rosario dawson's character realizes that everybody in the audience are made out of cardboard and that would have been fun that would have been been funnier than and he just continues with (laughs) it and yeah exactly you have to set the joke up set the joke up and then you have payoff and she's like why is brad pitt here wait that's not brad pitt yeah (laughs) or and then there's like a sniper in in the rafters you know and a red dot I was thinking that the like that I was thinking that the floor would just like open up and then they'll be like like maybe like, maybe a little bit too Austin Powersy but like have like piranhas and they're just like all right it's like all right for the next part of the interview jump into this piranha pit <laughs> or something like but, that and they'll just be like wait why and then like it's just them talking and being stupid something like that could have been yeah a no, lot I, I, no that would have been better it's just yeah like like I I I, I what you said tyler i think on a very basic level every scene it's not great but it, it works within the context of what they were trying to do that's the one part that doesn't even make sense with what they were trying to do it doesn't even again yeah. it feels like it's just they saw some movie that had something like that and put it in this movie it just yeah. it was didn't fit actually you know what the, yeah you know what the most hilarious thing for me was was the remember when they're on the plane the motor roll plane and they're all saying like, "Oh my gosh, we're like, uh, you know, we're famous now." And like, here's our muni pass. If you look behind him, you could see uh, a cloud, and it's the same cloud throughout the whole airplane ride. <laughs> it's like so obviously a set, and they just crack me the fuck up. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and that's the good I, I cartoony also... stuff. That's fun. That's the fun. Yeah, yeah I like that. I like that. Go ahead, Tyler. We need to end, we need to end soon. But one of my favorite other thing about this movie is that you have the creators of Robot Chicken in it too, and you have like yeah, Seth Green, Breck yeah. and Meyer, Donald and Faison. like everybody. Yeah, Donald Faison was like my favorite part. Who's who? Yeah, who's yeah. now going to be uh, Professor Utonium in the Powerpuff Girls reboot for some reason? And uh, that's that's Wait, some strange casting. I didn't realize he was cast in it. I know I read that Chloe Bennett was in it, but that's yeah. Oh wow. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it after yeah. the, the, the recording, but like, yeah. So, um, I love seeing them, and I actually thought that they were pretty funny. Uh, and I, I, I love, love it. I, I love, I love like, it when they come back so much. Yeah, what, so when stupid. you're saying that when you're the when they come back, where it's clearly they didn't actually Not come them. back. They could only get them for that one day. <laughs> That's all they had. <laughs> they couldn't get those guys to come back for the shooting. <laughs> the other part, other than the leader of the band, whoever that guy is, is the only yeah. one you see his face. Yeah, there's a, they understood. They're like, please do so two days. Funny. They're like, no, I'm just doing one. <laughs> like, oh, okay, we're yeah. gonna be wrapped in bandages. Well, yeah, no, I think it's funny how the, even the um, even the monkey was wrapped in bandages. Like that was kind of funny. Yes. Doctor Zayas, another n- nice joke. Oh, the yeah, there Dr. you Zayas. go. Yeah, Doctor Zayas. Again, the only reason I noticed but, uh, that was because I got to rewatch the first ten minutes. So, so any final thoughts on this movie? I don't want to say good I, movie, bad movie. It's a movie. I, I like how you, you you paused and you're like movie. I was gonna <laughs> yeah. add a qualifier, but it it it's just a movie. I I mean I love this movie ironically and also unironically. I it makes me sad because I think it could have been a lot funnier and st- actually stood the test of time. I think it actually could have been a phenomenal um, comedy, like maybe along the lines of a you know on the same year as not not another teen movie, and where it would have been really uh like a huge spoof on Hanna-Barbera uh cartoon uh characters with Hanna-Barbera uh characters 
Um, you know, I, I, I think it could have potentially been better than Scooby-Doo. I actually like it more than both of the Scooby-Doo movies, uh, the live action ones. I actually think that this one's funnier and like probably because of the more adult humor. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like this movie and I also, also recognize that it's also crap. It's the same thing. Like, I guess it's like a, it's a guilty pleasure, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't recommend this. I, I don't, I don't, um, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, the, the problem with this movie is like, I enjoy it more when it's explained to me why it's funny. <laughs> then the, like, the, the, I don't recommend like, this movie, but I recommend listening to this podcast. Yeah, about this it, movie. it's like, I just, the I, I, that he's I, so, just, I just imagine like, I just imagine like, like you really loving it, wanting to love a comedian. So you invite him over so he can explain all of his, like his whole <laughs> yeah. set to you. I like your comedy, uh, but yeah. I like you. Yeah. So, well, all right. So I walk. Out, I walk out on stage, and I. Yeah, it's Sorry. like it's like. Is the movie really su- successful if I have to be ex- explained why it's funny? You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and you know, again, it's like no. if you enjoy the movie. Here, here's the thing. It's like if you enjoy the movie, that's cool. Like everybody has different musical tastes. Again, this movie is just not for me. Um, you know, I, I don't really like it. Uh, and I actually wanted to do something, a kind of a callback to one of our early episodes. I want to kind of bring this back up, but, uh, so the word juxtapazuki, right? And so I want to say it's, a uh, that's like my recommendation. Like if it gets a juxtapazuki, then it gets a recommendation. <laughs> so this movie does not get a juxtapazuki. So no juxtapazuki for this movie. No juxtapazuki. No there you go. For me, all I have to say was to Tyler's credit, I didn't hate it. I kind of, I, I would say I enjoyed the watching it, but I never need to and probably never will watch it again. Yeah, I'll say this. I think, I think I'll say this. Like recording and talking about this movie was more entertaining than the actual movie itself. So there you go. Well, you're welcome. Paul, yeah, Tyler and I say so you're welcome, Paul. That's us. You, That's us. <laughs> oh, good. I can't. Oh, good. I can't wait to do uh, the Last Airbender then. Eventually, then because Ooh. <laughs> any anything anything to anything to to put a uh, a bandage over that scar that that, that movie <laughs> left on me. I have a good story for that one. So. We should do it. Oh man! Uh, thank you so much for uh, for watching, you guys. But before we go, Josiah, where can they find you? You can find me on YouTube mainly and Instagram as well. But Josiah is right, W R I T as in writer. And before I forget, we're still doing our T-shirt giveaway. So yeah. be sure to follow and like, uh, subscribe rather to my channel and subscribe here on the Grand Geek Gathering to be entered into our T-shirt contest. Uh, subscriber from cross, you know, as long as you subscribe to both, you'll be entered in the contest and you could win a. Josiah's right t-shirt or a gathering t-shirt or a Popmosis t-shirt or a Pazuki t-shirt. We'll see, but you can win one by just subscribing. So do that. All right, Paul. Oh, I'm going to be eating uh, McDonald's and, you know, maybe going to the Virgin Megastore buying some CDs. <laughs> and you can find me also on Instagram, uh, Arcade Blackfire. All righty. And uh, you can uh, find us and find more about me on thegrandgeekgathering.com where we have our articles, our other videos, podcasts, and so much more. I also stream on Twitch at twitch.tv at thegrandgeekgathering. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we have our own Discord as well. Our music has been provided by Kyle Laurent. Have a wonderful week. Wear a mask. And GGG. What's on the silver screen? I got to say, you wouldn't believe.